Welcome to the Behind the Surface podcast presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. ISFA exists to serve industry professionals involved in the fabrication of manufactured surfacing materials. With each episode, Behind the Surface inspires fabricators to take their business to the next level. Folks, welcome to the latest episode of the Behind the Surface podcast. Our topic today is using data to find opportunity in your business. I'm your guest host, Ed Young. You may know me as the Fabricators Coach, where we believe that you deserve to have a business that makes you money and also allows you time to enjoy it. Uh, You can go get some free tools, articles, and more at fabricatorscoach.com. One sponsor for this episode is Moralware, and Moralware is leading estimating and scheduling software for countertop fabricators. Another sponsor for this episode is Grand Onyx, and today we're talking with Tim Sidoris, who is president of of Grand Onyx. Tim, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hey, Ed. Thanks for having me. Been on the show a couple times before. So we're Grand Onyx. We build world-class stone fabricators, and what that means is we systems and software and technology and process in place to keep track of you know what's working and what's not we've got metrics that we've built and data that backs it up and it helps us keep track of what's making the business healthier and kind of what we need to focus on as a business to move forward so i think that's fits perfectly today with what we're going to talk about Absolutely, because our topic, uh, again, is using data to find opportunities in your business. And Tim, you know, recessions on everybody's minds, whether you're talking about it, worried about it, it's impacting you or not. Uh, What are you seeing as you work with fabricators? Are things down across the board or maybe there's some different patterns that you're running into with fabricators across the country? It's it's a weird time because what, what we're seeing is there's still a deficit in homes that are built. So we still need to build more homes and it's just, it's kind of in a gridlock, you know, people, people want to build, the supply isn't there. So the builder wholesale market still seems strong, at least for our clients. So for retail, what we're seeing, it's quite a bit different. So what had to be done before is, you know, you had the service region that was maybe a half an hour, hour radius around your shop. Now we're seeing our stone fabricators. We've got to market a little bit farther out to keep the same level of sales. So maybe another 15 minutes, maybe another half hour, you know, it might be time to, you know, you've been eyeing up that big city. That's an hour up the highway. Maybe it's time to go after it. And it's better to do it now because that marketing that's, you know, it takes time to get off the ground. You can't just pull the trigger. And there's, there's data that you can look at too, to see the volume if you're working with somebody, you can look at the volume in those individual cities to see if, you know, that growth is there. So de- definitely start thinking about kind of expanding your region for retail. Certainly. Um, are you seeing any uh, variation in geography? Some parts of the country are hotter than others. Not really. I think I think everybody's trying to build. Um, yeah, not not yet. At least not the places that we service. Okay. Um, what I'm seeing is, you know, as you read the economic stuff, uh, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, five fastest growing states in the country. 
And most fabricators I've talked to in those areas have got plenty of business. Um, but then you were talking about retail a minute ago. I'm seeing some differences in market segments. For example, even in parts of the country that are a little bit slower and in terms of their economic demographics being a little flatter than the states I just mentioned, uh, fabricators who are doing a lot of large commercial projects, because those projects, you know, that, that market segment tends to lag the economy, the economic changes, because it takes so long to get those projects up and running. Those folks are really busy. Um, and the third category I see, which really ties into today's topic, is how well shop owners run their business. I've talked with shop, done some work with shop owners in areas of the country that their economic growth is flat, but they're growing their shop 20, 30% a year, year over year on, on a consistent basis. And it's because they're running the shop better. And conversely, I talk with shops that, you know, like say in central Texas, it's just, just super, super hot economically um, that are, and, and even in Florida, that's really hot, that are struggling with their businesses they ought to be doing well because there's tons of opportunity, but they're just not running their businesses really well. And I think a lot of it has to do with how you use data. And, and I think that's kind of the differentiator that I see in addition to geography and market segment. Tim, what I'm kind of wondering is, you know, in these uncertain economic times, why is using data to run your business so important? Yeah, that now is, now is definitely not the time to rely hundred percent on instincts and, you know, throw a Hail Mary pass, you know, I mean, I mean, it, it, there's some uncertainty and the best way to move from uncertainty within your business to certainty is data driven decision-making and, you know, more aware obviously sponsored this, but more is a great example of this. There's all this data that you have of how things are running, where you can really kind of dig down and, and do a, a, in root analysis to see what's causing what. Um, I've got a couple stories I want to share, if that's okay, Ed. Uh, yeah, that, that'd be awesome because I'd love to kind of hear some some elaboration on the you know using data versus not using data, and I think these stories you've got may help us understand that. Yeah, so so we have a client that you know he wants more builders. He's trying to get prepared. He's invested in his capacity, so you know, builders is just where he wants to grow. We've got this really unique process for outreach to get new clients, new builders. It's got about a 67% response rate whenever we fire it up. And part of that outreach is first, we have to kind of discover, you know, what attributes that a builder in the region loves about stone fabricators, right? Like what is it that, what is it about the relationship that keeps the builder up at night? And what is it about them that if you can do these two things or three things for a builder that they will never leave you, right? So we kind of dug in a little bit. And with this particular client, he just lost one of his biggest builder accounts. So obviously he wanted to backfill and get more. And, you know, in his region, you know, there's not a lot of builders. You know, I remember sitting at his desk and he had this, this, uh, mug this coffee mug full of pens and i used it as an example and i said hey you know you've got you've got 50 builders in this community 100 builders in this community and that's it and if we're going to go out and we're going to get their attention and we're going to get them to sign up and be customers we don't want to blow it because we've only got one shot in each one of those and we need to make sure that we're doing it right or that's 100 chances that we're going to lose like they're one-time uses right? 
So, you know, I started to ask questions like, why did we lose that builder? What happened? And then they really couldn't answer it. So we said, all right, what's the most important thing for a builder relationship? And he immediately fired off. He says, well, it's dependability. You know, they, he, the builder wants to know that if we're installing a countertop on Thursday, it's getting installed on Thursday because there's the plumber afterward, the painter, you know, the last thing you want to do as a builder is ruin this entire schedule, construction schedule. So that data is in his system. So we ran some reports. So we said, all right, if we look at what we had originally promised, right? The original schedule of when it was supposed to go in and we excluded all the ones where obviously it was the builder that changed the schedule. And then we ran a report of the actual, okay? Of what the actual install date was. It was all over the board. I mean, everything, 98% of them was never according to the original schedule. They all changed. Some changed from three days to, you know, 39 days. And if you're going to go after all those builders in the area and make those promises, that's the last thing you want to do is, you know, not hit that, what we call dependability score. Does that make sense, Ed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you pulled all the data in this case, I think you said the, the shop owner was using Moralware. So you pulled all the data out of Moralware, ran some reports. Um, you found out that their performance wasn't that great, which that puts, that quantifies their intuition, gives them data to work on. So where'd you guys go from there? Well, now we're just putting the data front and center. You know, we, we you set goals, right? Maybe you want to, uh, maybe you start with something attainable. Like maybe we want 25% to be on time. So we start to keep track of, well, why are we deviating? Why can't we hit this, this number? And just, reviewing that on a, on a weekly basis. Like why did these four miss the mark? Was it because we didn't have the right inventory numbers updated? Was it because we were just, one of my favorites is we're just overly optimistic. I mean, you know, as entrepreneurs, as business, <laughs> I think we can all agree that, oh yeah, we can do that. No problem. I mean, we agree to things. Then we look at our team like, well, yeah, you guys can do this. Come on, look, go team, go. Right. So yep. that's, that's kind of, that's really what we've seen, but by managing it, it's, you're becoming more and more dependable. And that's that data that you couldn't do anything with, but now it's telling, it's put in a format to tell a story. And as that story reads better, you're creating a stronger relationship with your existing clients and you're building a reputation and the next time, hopefully, that you talk to a builder, you're going to hit it out of the park and you'll have the confidence to do it because you're tracking it. And I think it's the, the the tracking and the confidence that comes from the data. There are key points here, key takeaways, at least for me. Um, you and I both come from uh, a similar background where we've worked in a lot of other industries before we came to this one. We didn't grow up in it. And I know with all the plants that you've been in, you've probably seen signs like, in God we trust, all others bring data. Mm-hmm. And you're probably familiar with the phrase of what gets measured gets managed. One of my favorites. Yep. Um, and, and I think the example you just gave was you, you got data, you analyzed data, drew conclusions from it, and then you started the, the kind of the what gets measured gets managed. If you make the data 
if you highlight the data and you track it consistently and you track it regularly and you start looking at it, asking those why questions for why is this happening, just the fact that you're putting attention on that dynamic in the business is going to have a positive impact on improving that characteristic of your business. Yeah. In another piece to that is just, you know, you've got reams and reams and reams of data, which of it actually matters, right? What, what is, what's the, what are you trying to move? And in this case, we're just trying to create a better outcome for the builders that we have so we can get more. Yeah, and that whole, you know, turning data into information is what I like to call it. You can have lots of numbers, but what do they mean and which ones are important? Um, what are some, getting these strategies or tips, pro tips for maybe how to do that type of analysis and how to look at that data? You know, obviously, I would I would love to see you hire a consultant like us, but. Hey, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, right. But, what a but, novel idea. Yeah, right. Crazy. <laughs> but. But there's certainly, you know, these ERP systems that everybody uses, like Moreware, there's APIs that you can pull this data out with. There's spreadsheets that you can pull this data out with. And what, what's, create, an, what's an API for the uninitiated? Uh, an API just means that there's a backdoor to the system and you can plug into it and pull data into this fancy analysis tool. Um, so don't have to do it. It's, it's a way to get data out of the software so you can start to manipulate the data and do some analysis. Right, right. Probably it's more of an advanced move. Uh, I would start with just a spreadsheet. Just pull a spreadsheet out, run some, you know, run some data on it or run some queries on it, some some filters and try to get it to tell a story. The, the more advanced course is where it's automatic and you don't have to think about it to get the data. And then that way, the team does the work according to the metrics and they don't have to wait on a report or even question its validity. Yeah, and I, I think that's a crucial point is to, to automate this as much as possible because you and I both know as you start down a path like this, you start focusing on a problem like on-time delivery, honoring your, your initial um, commitments on install dates, for example. Um, you start putting focus on it, it starts to get a lot better. And then you say, okay, we'll get that problem solved. And then we quit focusing on it. We may even quit tracking the data. Right, that's why dashboards and scorecards are so critical. So for, for the relationships that we have, we send this score out once a week. So they get it Monday morning, here's your dependability score. You know, if it's green, don't worry about it. If it's red, eh, need some attention. So how do you set those green and red guidelines? I just, it depends on how aggressive you want your process to be, right? Like if you think that you can achieve a, a an 80% uh, schedule attainment, that's a big, that's a big manufacturing term that I don't think um, stone fabricators have been exposed to, but in large scale fortune 100, it's called schedule attainment. And are we getting you know, can we attain 80% of the schedules that we made promises to? And then if you get 80%, try 81, 82, 83, and then just keep pushing. And it has a lot to do with, you know, what, how much if your sales are down a little bit and you want to get them back up, like in the case that you shared with us, somebody had lost a large customer. They had to backfill that, that, that sales level. So they may want to be a little more aggressive with that number. Whereas if everything's rocking along okay and you just want to kind of grow gradually, you may do a, a 1% increment. But in other cases, you may need to get more aggressive. 
Well, and you'd be surprised too, because the person that holds all the keys is not you. It's the person that's on the floor, the person that's in that office that maybe they don't even realize that it's an issue. So they're like, nah, I'll just make all these changes today because the salesperson came down and really wanted to get this kitchen done for the weekend. You know what I'm saying? Yep. I mean, that's what, there's where metrics just, you know, stop that stuff from happening. Yep. What are some of the challenges in, um, in collecting some of this data? Just having the right system to do it. I feel like, you know, if, if you don't have an ERP system, there's a lot to choose from, but definitely want to think about it. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I've talked to some stone fabricators. I just don't know how they do it. It's, it's impressive with the million spreadsheets that they have. <laughs> yeah. And they, um, what, what's the largest company in revenue that you've seen run off of just spreadsheets? I don't feel like they can get above 2 million to 3 million. I feel like that's the ceiling. I yeah. think the wheels fall off the bus. If they want to go past that, because that could be, that could just be a couple builder relation or well, not a couple, but multiple builder relationships. But if they really want to scale, they got it. They got to do it. Yeah, I mean, you've got to have a good seamless flow of information from point of first contact with a prospect all the way through install and then the follow-up after the install because we all love that word-of-mouth referral, but these days there are ways to automate that, track that, and and help make that a strong metric for the business as well, right? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great segue into another story I wanted to share. So we have another customer where... So with digital marketing, Google reviews are critical. Like, you know, you, you go on Amazon and if you've got two similar products and you can't really tell the difference, you're just going to choose the one with the better ratings. That's just how it goes. And that's that's huge in the decision-making process online. And we had a customer where one of his showrooms was only two out of five stars. And, you know, immediately we think, well, how can we influence the salespeople, influence the installers to get more reviews? So we start to have that conversation and something just didn't feel right. Something was a little funky. So we started digging, right? We started to chase the data. And the report that they ran, um, it was a custom report. And it was, I think they called it callbacks. So for 90 days, they had recorded 22 callbacks, which isn't good. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. Um 22 out of how many of that? Um, I don't, I, mean, I don't, yeah, I don't recall, but I think any callback is bad. Yeah. Um, 22 out of now, more, more important, more significant than 22 out of a thousand. Yeah. I think it was out of 300. That's my guess. That's still pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. Now <laughs> what we realized was that uh, some things were being mislabeled within the report and the report didn't have all the right data in it. And it was actually closer to a hundred. So yeah, it was bad. Like how, it, how did you figure out that the data was suspect? Because I think you know, I think about shops that are not used to using data. They they find data. They 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 take what they've got, start working with it. What was it that kind of you know you're you're a master at this? You've got tons of experience. How does the average shop owner figure out whether his data is any good or not? Get on the front line. So what what we did is I sat with each salesperson 
and got to know them under because you know ultimately what we're doing is we're improving processes and we start with sales and then we drive sales through tracking data and what was i had some really interesting conversations with the salespeople where they were fearful of going after builders or other wholesale family relationships that they had because to a salesperson their legacy is their name right that's they don't want to tarnish their name they're they're selling it that they they are the person that's providing us and they don't want to tarnish their reputation in the community and nope. i i caught some subtle concerns about like selling to a brother-in-law having family members come in it's like oh that's that's not cool and they're like yeah we're just we're having issues with deliverability. I'm like, ah, that's not what the report says. That's not what leadership says. And that's when I was like, all right, let's see what's going on. Now, the cool part about it was once we, once awareness was created, the plan was simple. You know, the owner made the decision. I can't remember the job title, but he invented some job title and he just hired somebody like within weeks that oversaw the installations. The installations, there wasn't enough oversight. It was, this wasn't enough leadership. And like he, once he understood the magnitude of the issue, because callbacks cost extra money too. It's really expensive. Um, once he understood the magnitude, he hired another staff member and straightened it right out. It was awesome to see. Just because this was like a 30 minute conversation with the salesperson. 30 minutes of time to run the report to actually understand the magnitude of the issue. That's awesome. I think uh, your, your, your clear ears listening and your intuition from experience was a, was a huge benefit there. And that's uh, not that we're here to try to sell consultants, but that's sometimes what an outsider can bring to the party is, uh, you know, come in and look at your watch and tell you what time it is um, kind of thing is, is what I joke with clients about. Um, but I like to use kind of the phrase trust, but trust, but verify. Yeah, the data is here. I, I trust the data. Let me go verify that. If this is true, what should I be seeing in that part of the operation? What, you know, if I'm seeing other things, what does that tell me about my data? And so I, I think that what you did going to the front line, talking with salespeople is a, is a perfect way to go in and just validate what the data is telling. Yeah. And, and it's just critical that this, because this is not something that they obviously wanted to do. They, they just didn't even know what was happening. And since they weren't measuring it, like you said earlier, they weren't managing it. So if they don't continue to measure it, it will likely fall back into disrepair. And that type of problem, not being able to get it done right the first time, will kill a business, destroy it. Absolutely. And when you think about this business in particular, you talked. You mentioned earlier about you know trying to preserve schedules and, and budgets and that sort of thing. We you know where where we come into the construction process or the remodel process, the schedules have already been blown, and so they're looking to us to help you know catch up what little slack we can, and the budget's probably already been blown, so yeah. we're some price pressures, and so anytime a fabricator can 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 perform consistently can do what they promise that they're going to do and do it consistently they're going to have a uh, an edge over all the other trades that are out there and it's all about making things easy for your customer whether that customer is kitchen and bath dealer a contractor or even ultimately the homeowner yeah ab absolutely and it allows you to strive for excellence like if if your schedule attainment 75% 
or dependability score. Not sure what we're going to call it yet, but um, the, you know, if, if you continue to push to 80%, 85%, 90%, you're not going to lose customers. In fact, you're going to gain customers and you're going to keep them. And you may not even have to do any marketing if you do it right. And I think that's a big key, you know, data and marketing and sales. I think in this industry, there's a huge opportunity for, for making our sales processes better defined, making them more professional in terms of professional sales training, and then using data to help manage all this and using it to drive your business. I think there's a huge opportunity for that in this industry. Um, yep. but, uh, one example of that, the article that came out first of this month in Slippery Rock that I wrote about the what the, the financial impacts of just following up better on the leads that you get and just following up on the quotes that you generate. Just the financial impact of that based on industry stats is huge. And I think this is this is another good example of that with the two cases that you've shared with us here. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So I've got, you know, just we've talked about a lot, but I always like to end with kind of some takeaways if I can kind sure. of share those. Please. So yeah. Just, just three big takeaways. I'd love everybody to just remember. Be confident in what you're chasing down. You know, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, your everything's on fire, <laughs> and you just have to remember the boat's always leaking. But you, you got to be confident that the hole you're plugging is the biggest hole that you have, and the best way to do that is through data. You know, the Google review story. We thought that we just needed to try harder at Google reviews, but that was really just a lagging metric of having really, you know, poorly done installed jobs, you know? So we almost chased the wrong thing. And what would have happened is it would have compounded. We would have gotten more two-star reviews. We wouldn't have gotten more five-star reviews. So be confident in what you're chasing. Uh, Get as much data as you can. You know, you guys that have those ERP systems, there is just a plethora of storytelling that can come out. You know, there's there's some great people out there like um, you, Ed, um, Kim Duda, DataBridge, um, Grand Onyx, of course. They they know how to tell their storytellers with that data, and they they know the business. You know, they can just really give you guys some great information with little effort. And then the last one, uh, that reoccurring reporting makes it manageable. And from what I learned in my years of working with Fortune 100, Fortune 500 companies is set your thresholds, green and red. If it's green, don't worry about it. If it's red, all hands on deck and teach your team because then you can tell, you, they manage against the numbers. And if it's green, they're doing a great job. If it's red, you know, time to have a meeting. So that's it. And I think that's some great information, Tim. It's some great takeaways and a, and a really good wrap up. I want to, Tim, I want to thank you for your time today. I want to thank you for all you do for ISPA because as you mentioned before, you, you've done several of these podcasts and they're always well received. There's always some really good information there. Um, we've talked a lot about different aspects of data, how to use that in, your, in their business. How can folks learn more about this topic? Well, I would definitely encourage you to pick up your your current edition of the ISFA magazine. Uh, there's always some good stuff in there. I usually put something in there once a quarter. Um, obviously, these podcasts are good. And then um, we've got our website. We've always got our information, grandonyx.pro. 
brandonyx.pro, P-R-O? Yes, sir. Okay. Not Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. I was going to say something different. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Super. Well, I want to, uh, Tim, thanks again. And we also want to thank Moralware and Grand Onyx for sponsoring this, this podcast. And I want to thank all of you who listen to these podcasts. This is always for your benefit. We're all trying to share information to just help you work more on your business and not so much be consumed by your business. So check out other episodes here with uh, Tim, with other folks, and you can reach those at uh, isfanow.org. And until next time, happy fabricating. Thanks for listening. To hear more in-depth viewpoints, gain actionable insights and powerful tools to help you succeed, subscribe to the Behind the Surface podcast presented by the International Surface Fabricators Association. To learn more about ISFA, visit our website at www.isfanow.org.